Come on, grab your Bibles, everyone, and turn to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 9. Matthew 2 and verse 9. Well, we've been in this series called Three Gifts, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the last two gifts together, and then next Sunday we're going to bring you another word about the gift. But I, I want you to know that we're talking about these magi, and these magi, we don't know, you know how deep they knew the Lord. We knew they were highly intellectual. We knew they were extremely wealthy men. We knew they were the MIT graduates of their day. Uh, we know that they were very well studied men. They studied the stars. The word magi literally is translated magos, which means magician. There could have been that there were magic practices. In fact, if you study Balaam, they believed in Numbers 24 that Balaam could have potentially been the founders of the Magi because he was the first one to prophesy about a star. And so we don't know what's attached to them, but one thing they did get was they got a sign from God, a star, and they knew what to do to follow it because there was a king they needed to worship. Let me ask you, who's come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today, amen? So you know the story, they have traveled 715 miles on a camel, on a camel. I don't care how bad your card rides, if the struts are gone and the shocks aren't working, it's nothing like having to ride a camel for 1,715 miles. Don't care, one, hump, one humper or two humper, it's still a rough ride. But when you're in pursuit of something that will change your life, you will do whatever it takes. In fact, we know that the fact is, is that they did not arrive at the stable. We'd learned that last week. I know I'm blowing some of y'all's minds. They did not arrive at the stable at the day Jesus was born. It was probably a couple years later. He was a toddler. They came to a house to worship Jesus. We know that for a fact. And even if you think you're too late, how many know you're never too late to find Jesus? Now, that wasn't in my notes. Okay, those of you, those of you who watch online, I'm not getting the response I need today over here from this bunch. So y'all shout till we can hear it bleeding over, amen? No, they're shouting good. But I want you to hear this. There's somebody watching that you think you have blown it so far you think you've messed up so bad, you think you're too distant from God, and you think it's too late to change your life because you fouled up, you've messed up. You didn't just mess up once. You didn't just mess up three times. You have messed up on this deal over 18 times. And you think God's done with you. I'm telling you, you are never too late and you are never too far if you have the ability to say, Jesus, yes, I follow you, come in, I'm telling you, it is never too late. How many thank God? It is never too late, and you're never too distant from God. But when you find him, there's something that happens. It's worship. Well, you know the story. Herod said he wanted to go worship. Big liar. He wanted to kill Jesus because you know the story that in Bethlehem and around that vicinity, he killed and murdered. He murdered the spirit of murder to kill every boy two years of age and younger to find Jesus. This is why we believe Jesus was probably a toddler at this time. He said, go tell, he tells them, gathers them around and crowds teachers of the law and they're all coming because the Magi are trying to figure this out, what to do. 
And after the conversation with the Magi, they go on. But here's what it says in chapter 2, verse 9. Let's start there. It says, after they had heard the king, the king gathered together, they went on their way. And the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Everybody say overjoyed. Overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They may not know anything about Jesus, but they know when you're in the presence of Jesus, you better come with worship. People say, I didn't enjoy the song today. I like what Francis Chan said. It wasn't written for you. So you're going to be fine. Well, I didn't, like the, I, I didn't like the song. Fine. We didn't want it for you. I'm telling the devil, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. I got a big brother that'll whip your tail. You don't need to worry about me. It's not my threat. They bowed down in worship, and it says, and then, then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you know when you can tell when you're really, you, gentlemen, you may tell you when a man is really getting his heart to God, it's when he starts turning loose of his wealth. Let me tell you when God's getting a hold of a woman's heart, when you start turning loose of your wealth. You're not straining over whether you give to God on gross or net. You don't argue whether or not, well, this is a bonus check. It's really a freebie. God takes everything of your worship, every bit of it, and they bow down. And what did we learn last week? We learned that the gift, here are these guys, they didn't know much about the Savior. They weren't saved at this time. We know that. But we know this, friends. I, I, we know this for a fact. We know that their gift actually brought deliverance to the deliverer. That theologians believe, many believe that it was the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh because it was gifts that you give to a king. That those actual gifts actually were deliverance for the Savior so he could become the Savior of your soul. If that wouldn't have happened, Herod would have succeeded. They would have never been able to make their flight to Egypt. They'd never been able to escape. How many of thank God that even people who may not have it all together can use their gift to bring deliverance for somebody to find Jesus Christ? Amen? So my point last week was is that you are a gift from God so that others can hear Jesus Christ and be delivered from the power of darkness. You have a gift in you. You have a gift in you. You say, well, I don't have a gift. You have a gift you can give somebody to point to Jesus Christ. In fact, if you don't have a gift to give somebody so they can know Jesus Christ, I got tons of gifts up here that you can give to somebody to know Jesus Christ. You know what I've asked y'all to do is to be like the Magi, is to be a hero. How many, how many know what a hero is? How many know what it is? You need to know that your heroes here through Servant Evangelism because of City Serve, we brought it to the state of Michigan. We're empowering ourselves and our other churches whereby we can give actual gifts to people in need that opens up a door for you to start being a friend. And like the Magi, that conversation 
will one day lead to a place where they can actually know the deliverer Jesus Christ. And I'm asking every one of you to start thinking about your neighbor, maybe someone who may be away from the Lord, a family member maybe away from the Lord, and you know there's a need in their life. They don't have to be poor, you just know there's a need in their life, and there may be one of these connections with one of these gifts up here, or one of the gifts in our pod that we have over there, that you can actually open up and just say, come and minister in the name of Jesus Christ and in your name of your local church. Now, I'm going to tell you why I want you to minister in the name of Grand Rapids First too. Is because every person needs a family. They don't just need Jesus. Jesus put him in a family. And that's why I want you to minister in the name of Jesus and your church family. And I want you to say, hey, listen, we just, we wanted to bless you. I saw something that you just might want. Now, be careful what you pick. Don't, don't, if we have a nose hair trimmer, don't give them one, okay? If there's a diet book up here, don't grab a diet book, okay? But you can get on that Hero app. You sign up, you sign up, and then you look through the things we have, and the Holy Spirit will prompt you with someone you work with, somebody in your dorm, somebody that you know is family struggling in your high school, somebody you may know that, 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 that you know, hey, this is a way I can connect with them and start being a friend and eventually have this conversation. We talk about Jesus. You pray with them, ask them, say, oh, is there something I can pray for you with? And you might use one of these gifts. Now, some of you don't realize what the, all these gifts are. And so we decided we bring some of the stuff right in here so you can see what these gifts are like. Can some of you see these gifts? This is not cheap stuff. Look at these sofas. Heater. Look at this. Outdoor heater. Brenda says, I want that. Put it right over there. I'm freezing right now. <laughs> I mean, look at this. I want you to see right now. You may know somebody right now that, that like, we got heaters, these little portable heaters. Look at that. These little portable heaters. Those of you watching online, we got these portable heaters. You might know somebody right now that just needs a heater in their home. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. Lazy boy. A, a lazy boy. Oh my. Oh my, this is a little electronic one too. I don't think they got, you guys have this hooked up? Does, how do you do it? Am I going? Oh my. Oh my. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh. This is going to be a great service. Let me just tell you right now. This is, this this is my gift. Amen. This is my gift. I mean, look at all these things, everybody. Look at these things that God has given us to give to you like the Magi that can actually open a conversation. You may know somebody right now that just, you know, you're looking at and there's, they, they don't even, even have a dining room table. There's all kinds of stuff. Guys, look at these power tools. Power tools. Look at that. There's some kind of a something there. My hand does not fit a hammer, so I do not know what these things are. But there's drill, there's saw. I want you to look, seriously, look at all the Christmas stuff right now. You may know somebody that just is into Christmas or maybe the apartment next door, they don't have many Christmas things because, you know, they just, you know, just, it's, things are tight for them this year. Gas prices are going up, you know, putting food on the table and, and you walk over with something just, I can't believe that you would just think of them. Isn't that cool? Look at this stuff. Dining room table, a pressure washer. Is that a pressure washer? It is a pressure washer. 
Oh my goodness. What else do we got over here? More heaters, another pressure washer. Oh, oh, look at this one. Excuse me, Joe. I'm going to come around you here. Look at this one. Check this out. This is a kid's semi. Is this one of those little ones they drive? Kids actually drive? Check that out. Check that out. Isn't that cool? See, y'all thought we were getting junk. Because that's what happens sometimes. People say, Pastor, I have something that we can give somebody, and we get something dilapidated and tore up, and this is brand new stuff. Oh, look at the sofa right here. My goodness. All the Christmas stuff. What am I missing here? There's tables. Oh, and all the diapers. Listen, you might have somebody who has a, a newborn, you know, or look at the diapers here for kids. We got formula. Window, is that, are those window shades? Outdoor sunshade. I'm just telling you, it's all this brand new stuff. Look at this. Oh, good night. Look at that. That is a razor. That's a motorized scooter, isn't it? Wow, what else is in here? I got to look at this. Oh, look at all the toys for kids. Look at all this. This is all toys for kids. They might have a, a, a kid, you know, it's just, just a simple little toy. This is all on the app. It's all waiting there for y'all just to find a need and fill it. Hmm. Wow. Ice chest. What's this stuff? This is a box full of something. Oh, electronics. We've got all kinds of electronics. What is this? Mouse pads. Oh, look at that. Pop that over your ear. Wireless headset for, with your phone. All kinds of cool stuff. Huh. What else? A pair of blue, blue light block glass re reading glasses. Isn't this crazy? How, hey, maybe there's somebody you know that this summer their home doesn't have air conditioning. They may be a senior citizen. They have no air conditioning whatsoever. Uh, look over here. We got window air conditioners. There's a bunch of them. We got slews of them. Isn't that amazing? How many think you and I can take a gift and carry out the scripture of Proverbs 18, 16 that says the gift opens the way to the giver and ushers them into the presence of the great? How many believe we can do this, church? Those of you online, we can do this. So here's what we're going to do. So I, and some of you say, but I don't know how to get this done. I don't know how to do this. So I, I've just been determined to take all of our excuses away about why we don't influence people for Jesus. I'm taking, I'm, I'm going to, the Holy Spirit has helped us literally wipe everything out. So what it ends up being is, is I just don't want to do it, Jesus. So it's either yes or no. And, and this is not just at Christmas time. But this is all the time, folks. So you're always being aware, and the Holy Spirit's always making you look, and you're always watching, and you're always paying attention. And you say, well, let me go look at the, let me look through the app, and you find it there. And they're going to teach you how to do that. So when you do this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have uh, servant evangelism representatives up here. And they're going to be up here with their iPhones, their devices, and they're going to help you learn how to get set up. They're going to teach you how to use it. They're going to tell you what to do with it. They can even place an order for you today. And there's some items up here today that some of y'all, if you want to just take them and get them, you know, the person today, we'll get you signed up and you can go bless that person today. How's that sound? You do it today. And if there's so many of that are up here, 
We'll find a way. You can come back, go to the office, however you have to do it. We'll find a way to get to you, and we can get you all signed up, and then you can give somebody a beautiful outdoor fireplace. Check that out. There is even, girls, a curling iron. Isn't that amazing? A garbage disposal. We have a brand new garbage disposal. This is crazy wild. Isn't this crazy wild, everybody? And y'all did this. Remember? Y'all gave to servant evangelism. Y'all did this. And church, this is not what we're just doing here. This church, God used you to literally, we are going to empower, by the time we're done, hundreds of churches across the state of Michigan because you had the vision to bring city server. You believed in it. And other churches are going to do this in their rural communities, in the urban areas. How many believe, friends, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that's ready to do something for the kingdom of God? And you did it. You did it. So now it's time for you to get activated. Oh, and by the way, I have a gift for all of you. So you say, well, I need a gift. You know, we also do want to be aware in our church of people that do have needs because part of this, we're able to take folks in our church that have needs that we can meet. So it's not just about out there. It's about helping our church too. So we need to know whenever that happens, when somebody just, just needs some help. But today you're going to walk out during flu and virus season and all this other stuff going on. Today, when you go out, every family unit is going to get a case of Lysol disinfectant wipes. Every one of you, out the door, y'all get a gift. Okay? Y'all get a gift. Every, you're seeing every family unit here, you grab one, take it, you say, well, Pastor, I don't think I need that many. Then go to your neighbor and go give one to your neighbor. Say, hey, our church was doing this to bless folk. I tell you what, if, how many we got out there? We've got uh, 480 out there. We have 480 out there? So it's one per family union? Okay. Do we have more of these? Yes, we do. How much do we have? Uh, I have uh, 30 pallets. We have 30 pallets of these. <laughs> Every week, you're going to get a case of Lysol. <laughs> Isn't this fun? It's like Christmas, everybody. Come on, this is a blast. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay. I tell you what, we will have some more out there. Okay. If you know, we're going to do this today. So we're not even going to make you do the hero thing, sign up. But, but we need you to get signed up because you need to be always aware. Okay. We need to stop. You need to be aware so the spirit hits you. Well, you can just do it right then. Right, you know, you go right there to the deal. We're, we're, you're, we're gonna, you, you have a gift in you. You're going to deliver people. You're going you're gonna to see God influence them come to Jesus because of what you do. You're going to see it happen, everybody. You're going to see it happen. So you know what? If you have a neighbor right now you've been trying, or somebody, a friend or family member, they say, you know, I've been trying. Just, I just wanted to just go tell them, say, our church was wanting to bless people today during this flu and virus season and all this, and we just wanted to bless you. And if you ever need us to pray for you or any way, and by the way, take one of the cards from Christmas Eve, attach it to the gifts and say, hey, we want you to come Christmas Eve and enjoy a wonderful time for your kids, all this good stuff. So I want you to take one. And if you have a neighbor or somebody, take another one. You take another one with you. And if everybody didn't get one, we'll have some more cases next week because we got 30 pallets. And so we are going to keep you germ-free. Amen. 
And uh, so, how many think that's kind of cool to do today? Amen. So, just take take an extra one and give it to a friend. Just so open the door. Just open the door. Right here you go, Pastor Doug. Good job. Woo. How many of you believe, friends? God is going to use us in a powerful way. Amen. So we know that the gifts can actually bring deliverance to somebody. They can actually do that. But I want to deal with the last two gifts they had because we know that gold recognized his royalty, his authority, his dominion as king. That's the gift that was given to kings. But frankincense and myrrh, I want to take just for a moment and I want to talk about frankincense and myrrh because frankincense and myrrh was an aromatic gift. It was very costly, very expensive, very pricey. It was given to kings. And frankincense, we see symbolically recognized his divinity. It recognized that he was the great high priest, that he was the one that is the mediator between God and man. He was the one that paid the price. It was a gift to show he was priest. And the myrrh was recognizing his humanity, that he was not just all God, but he was all man. It was also used as a perfume, an aromatic gift. It was, it was used. You'll find this in scripture. I'll show you in just a moment. But it was used for that. It was also used for burial and for embalming. Those magi didn't know that, but it was, it, was, it was the picture that Jesus would be crucified. He would be crucified and suffer so that we could be free and he would be that perfect high priest. Now, the deal about this is so interesting is that both of these were primarily used for worship to God from the priest in the Old Testament when they go in the tabernacle. And if you want to go look at it, it's not up here on the screens, but you can write down Exodus 30, verse 22, that myrrh was used and they would crush it and it was used within the anointing oil. And they would anoint the priest and everything that the oil touched became holy. It could not be used for common people, but it became holy. Then they would go through the tabernacle and they would anoint every single article of the place so everything would become holy before God, consecrated, pure. That's what that anointing did. It was aromatic that everything could give God praise because it was now holy, everything in the tabernacle. And then frankincense, you can look in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 34, it was made for incense that they would burn in sacrifice. Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 14, you also find that it was used on the burnt offerings of the altars, and they would put this with the altar, sacrifice to God, and that sweet aroma would be worship. It was adoration before God as they burnt these incense before the Lord. So what it was showing was is that Jesus Christ would become that perfect sacrifice, that perfect worship received by God by his sacrifice of his death, and by, he was the perfect and clean priest before God Almighty so that we can enter in. So here it is, friends. The reason why frankincense and myrrh was given to Jesus was because he is your high priest that is perfect, that is spotless. And those priests would go in once a year. They'd go in once a year, offer the sacrifices for the atonement of the people so they could be clean and accepted by God. Those priests were the mediators. So every time they had to bring animals and sacrifice it, they take the frankincense and the myrrh and they throw it in there and burn it to God as a pleasing aroma so God would forgive the people and give the people direction. But how many know we don't have to do that anymore? I don't have to come up here and take a goat or a bull, split it in half, sprinkle the blood over this place and over you so that you can be accepted because there was a high priest that did it all and the Magi didn't realize it, but they were showing he's the perfect high priest and here's how we know it. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and verse 12. I love this and the word can stand on its own. 
It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by humans' hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever, friends. Are you seeing that? Those priests would sit there and all they could do was cover the sins and cover the sins with blood and cover the sins and once a year have to keep on going in. Had to be perfect, anoint everything, had to be cleansed every single time. But Jesus Christ, the Magi didn't realize it, but he would be that gift where we are not sitting there going, we got to do, we got to do, we got to do, we got to do this, we got to do this. Jesus entered one time and he says, it is done for Sam Reifgold. It is done for every single person that receives me as Lord and Savior. Their sins are washed away and now they become a sacrifice of worship under the Lord. How many of Thank God frankincense and were is the worship that comes out of us today. Amen? Comes out of you because that's what Jesus was. And so when you see these aromatic gifts, you see that without a doubt, they were used in worship before the Lord. And so there's some wisdom from the wise men of two things I want to show you. Two things I want to show you about worship because that's what frankincense and myrrh was all about, was the perfect worship was accepted through Jesus Christ. And now that worship comes to you because Jesus is perfect. You're not, but he is. And when you come in him, all the Father sees is the worship of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see first of all. These magi, when they discovered it, had freedom to worship. Do you know that there are some believers that are not free to worship in church? They're in the buildings today but they are not liberated to freely worship God. When these magi came in, there was freedom to worship. Let me show you what I'm talking about. It says in verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Do you know why some people are not free in some churches? Do you know the reason why some Jesus followers are not free to worship? Because their focus is not Jesus. You must understand that what drove these men was Jesus was the focus of the worship. The star was not the worship. The star pointed them to Jesus Christ. And how many times in the Old Testament did God use something for only the people of God to start worshiping and making an idol and something that God used? Do you know we still do that today? Notice that the mother Mary was not worshipped, and yet people want to do that today. They did not worship Mary. They did not worship Joseph. They did not worship the star. They came and worshipped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you know that some people won't worship in songs because the song was not their style? So what that means is, is you have totally deviated from the Savior and made it totally about your style of music. You are not worshiping Jesus. You are worshiping a style. Now, giving it to you. I remember I got saved when I was nine years old at the song called He Touched Me. And every time I hear that song, it takes me back to that moment at nine years old when I got saved, when, uh, uh, when Don Lunsford began to preach the gospel. Nine years old, I recognized that I'd given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm touched by it. 
But I'm going to tell you something. It was a style of a song that triggers an emotion inside of me and the touch of God. But you cannot worship the style. These guys did not worship the style. In fact, sometimes what you need to be more concentrating is on him instead of your him. I'm not saying that your him wasn't bad because there's great theology, but there's great theology in what God is doing today. Because you got to understand their focus was Jesus Christ. It was not style. It was not Mary. It was not Joseph. It was not a star. Some of us aren't free to worship because we're not focusing on Jesus. Could you imagine the shepherds? I don't know about you, but I don't know if it was a real conducive atmosphere for shepherds to come worship in that sanctuary when he first arrived. I thank God for the air conditioning, and I thank God that it smells good in here. I thank God for all the lights that are here. But that place was probably a hewn-out cave. It was probably musty. There was probably the excrement of animals that were all through the floor, mixed in with the hay. There was probably a rat running around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when they walked in, I imagine there were some of the people that the stink goes, Oh, Lord, I cannot worship in this stench. There's no way. Do you know that sometimes the stink of the world and the stink of your circumstance and the stink of what's happening in your marriage and the stink of what's happening on the job and you want to quit and you're afraid of everything, the stink can stop you from worshiping God. You go, yeah, pastor, you can worship, but you don't know the stink and the hell I'm going through. Let me tell you, the stink of tragedy and the stink of suffering and the stink of shame cannot stop you from stop focusing on Jesus Christ because there is power when you focus on Jesus. Not your tradition. That doesn't mean that God doesn't touch you and that, and that you feel that. But you can never let other things, the externals, be the reason why you are motivated. It must be Jesus. And when it's Jesus, can I tell you what happens? When it's Jesus you're worshiping, you don't have to wait till the song gets right anymore. You don't have to wait till you're in a pretty tabernacle. You don't have to wait till you get the latest download from the latest song from Maverick City. You don't have to wait. All of a sudden, you can worship all by yourself walking through the woods. You can be off-key on key, he begins to come inside of the power of your worship. Worship can be done anywhere because it's not about an external. It's about the internal power of Jesus Christ that I'm focusing on. Can somebody give God some praise in this house? The freedom to worship. The stink can stop you. The style can stop you. Other things can distract you. And when you start focusing on Jesus, let me tell you what happens. Nothing can stop you from worshiping and you have freedom to worship. So it's not just about that Jesus is the focus of worship. Jesus is now the force of your worship. Look at John 10, look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. They were overjoyed. I want to read it out of the King James Version just for a moment. It says, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Can you say those last three words with me? Exceeding great joy. Let me break this down for you on how the Magi worshiped. When Jesus is the focus, the force of your worship intensifies. Through the stink of suffering, through the stink of pain, through the stink of divorce, through the stink of loss, something powerful comes out of you that cannot stop you because it's not driven by an external, so an external doesn't determine whether you do it or not. How am I preaching? All right. All right. Okay. That word exceeding in the Greek was the word sphodra, which actually is the word violent. The Magi started violently praising God. 
But they just didn't praise God violently. It says exceeding great. Everybody say great. The Greek word there used to say, oh, that's great worship. That was a great song. That was a great worship time. That was a great service. No, no. The word great here is the word megas, which actually means large, loud, and mighty. And when they saw the child, they just didn't violently, loud, mighty worship. Verse 11 says they bowed down. They bowed down and worshiped deity in diapers and started praising him. The word bowed down, you say, okay, it's bowed now, it's bowed down. No, no, the word bowed there in the Greek is actually the word pipto, which literally means to fall and be destroyed. Let me give you the word picture of it to show you exactly what it meant. In the word picture, it was to take a priceless vase or a vase and take that vase and smash it on the ground. That's how those guys worshiped God. Now, let me just tell you something. Some of you are going, well, that's just not my nature to do that because it's not my personality. God is not much interested in Sam Rifle's personality. Well, it's not my style. Well, I'm very educated. These guys were the MIT, the Harvard grads of their day. They were the PhDs of their day. They were the most wealthy, most powerful, most intellectual men. But when your focus quits being about what people think and the song, or what does my boyfriend think if I praise God, or what will these people think over here if I praise God, I see someone from my former church here, and I don't want to praise God and act like I've gone crazy with all these people here at this church. Let me tell you, these were the most intelligent intellectual men who were thinking men, but when they encountered the focus of Jesus Christ, they were like a broken vase, and they broke to the ground, and they started praising God with megos aloud. They began to dance. They began to praise. I'm going to tell you, they probably danced their turbans off their head. I don't know what they did, but they started worshiping God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Friends, can I tell you, if those wise intellectuals can worship God like that, then I can tell you that you and Sam Rifle can praise him with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength. We we don't need a choir. We don't need a 15-minute guitar solo. We don't need lights or lasers. All we need is to say the name of Jesus Christ and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you praise him with a peep-toe praise? Can you praise him with an exceeding, violent, loud, mighty worship? Come on, in the balconies, in the galleries, in the back. Come on, Grandpa, Grandma. Give him the highest praise because he deserves it. The force of your worship cannot be stopped. I don't care if you're going through a divorce case. I don't care if you're going through sickness and disease. You start peep-toe praising and God's presence will begin to fill that place. I get it. Some of you are still growing in your worship. Please, just because you're a little louder than me doesn't make you more spiritual than me. But I will tell you something. When you encounter the presence of God, the force of your worship cannot be stopped. There's no devil in hell. There's no sickness. There's no poverty. There's nothing. There's no government. There's no one in government that can stop your praise. There's no one in your school. There's no one in your workplace that can stop the adoration of who Jesus is in you. Nothing can stop you. Do you have freedom to worship? Because I promise you, it's probably pretty uncomfortable at first to start pipto praising and svodra praising and megas praising. But start somewhere. Start somewhere. I know some of you have been raised in a reserve culture. I just praise the Lord in my heart. Go for it. Tell your heart wants to explode. Go for it. Let the force of that praise come out of your heart. Because then it will leave your heart. And it will start moving to your head. 
And then when your head starts thinking it, guess what? Then it starts moving to your mouth. And then all of a sudden you said, oop, I just said praise the Lord. What did I just do? Oh no, oh no, I just put my hands together. I have never put my hands together in church. What am I doing? And the next thing you know, it might move to your feet and find yourself up here busting the move. Come on, dance on the carpet, down to the burlap. Just let the force of the worship be free. Church, I give you freedom to worship God in this house. Even when you're all by yourself, my best worship doesn't happen here. My best worship doesn't happen in this service. My best worship happens when I'm just by myself and I can take all my lamenting and all my anger and all my pain and worship him and watch him rescue me in a way I've never been rescued before. Be free to worship God, everybody. Amen. Oh, praise God. Now, my last point is this. I really am on my last point. The reason why you worship is not for these things that I'm going to show you, but there is a fruit that comes to you when you worship God. There's always something that comes out of it greater than the praise that's coming out of you. Something greater comes back to you. Here's one of the things I want to show you out of this story that came to these folks. And let me ask you this. How many of you are looking for some direction in your life on any kind of an issue right now? You say, I'm looking, searching for direction, Pastor, on something. Just hold your hand up real quick. Just hold up. You're looking for direction on something. Okay. I want you to really, I want you to really tune in to what I'm getting ready to say here. Really, I want you to focus on those of you on, online. I want you to really focus. You're trying to find direction on something. There is wisdom that comes from God himself when you start praising and focusing and being free to worship Jesus. Just focus on him. Don't even focus on the sickness. Don't focus on the financial problems. Don't focus on the dysfunction in the marriage or the family. Focus on him. And he's going to start giving you a wisdom from God. Here it is. You've probably never seen this before, but I want you to look in verse 12 of that same chapter. Matthew chapter 2 verse 12, it says, the Magi, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. In a dream, now watch this. Before they worshiped, before they brought even their gifts, their, their wealth, before they worshiped Jesus and bowed down like a vase, peepto, boisterous praise, guess what they were doing? Before they worshiped and entered his presence, they had to ask everybody else for directions. Read the story. They'd been following a star, but they still couldn't find the child, and so they're looking for direction. And so Herod, read the story. He brought all the priests and all the teachers of the law together. Some of you are looking for more direction from me and preachers and counselors, but you haven't gone to him. I believe in counseling. I believe it can be very helpful, but sometimes it has been such a crutch that you have escaped the presence of God and you are truly still not free. Hang with me. Before they worshiped, Herod was giving him direction. Let me tell you what you need to go do. And let me call, let me call the wise guys. Yeah, it's supposed to be in Bethlehem. And they're giving them directions before they entered the presence of God. After they worshiped, God himself gives them a dream. 
and says, let me show you which way you're going to go home. And don't go back to that jackhammer over there because he wants to kill the child. It wasn't until after they worshiped that now God is giving them a revelation of a word and a revelation of direction. They weren't wise until they entered the presence of God. And I'm here to tell you that some of you are looking for direction. And I'm not telling you not to ignore good counsel. I'm not telling you to do all the research you can do. But I have a question for you. How much time have you spent in his presence focusing on him until you didn't care what anybody else thought and you started praising God, you watch. He will start putting things in your path. He will start putting the right information in your path. He will start giving you revelation about things other people are hiding from you. Some of them are your family members. Herod was hiding from him his real agenda. And in that worship, God takes the secret things that even liars are hiding from you and surfaces at the top so you can go another direction. I'm going to praise God whether you like my praise or not just because I want to be smarter than the devil and smarter than you about my situation. Worship. No wonder the devil's messing with some of our worship. He doesn't want you wise. He'll want you wise on the situation. Your praise brings wisdom from God. Wow. I guess that blessed me more than it blessed y'all. Because I need, I need direction. I need direction bad. My family needs direction. My daughter, we need direction. And we consult everybody else but the presence of God. God says, I'll show you the secret things. All right, devil, take that. All right, here's my last fruit. Here's my last fruit. Your worship, God gives you the weapons of God. He doesn't just give you the wisdom. He gives you the weapons. Now, I want you to listen to this. Satan wants to stop your worship because it not only stops God's wisdom, it stops God's weapons. So you're the one doing all the fighting when he ought to be the one that's doing your fighting. That's what he says. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, he's the captain of the Lord's host. He's the one that sends others to war out for you. He said, I should, it's called, his name is actually Yahweh Sabaoth, which literally means God my fighter is what it's interpreted. Not by my might, not by your might, not by your power, but by the spirit of God, your fighter. But you're doing all the fighting, so you're being exhausted when he ought to be doing the fighting for you. Your worship actually turns the weapon of God loose so you can be rejuvenated in his presence while he's beating the hound out of your adversary. Amen. Now, let me tell you, this is so important. Let, let me sh show you this. They brought frankincense to Jesus. So when we started researching this, we started studying this, I grabbed our media marketing team and Caleb and Nick were in there and we were, looking, we were just looking at things, frankincense and myrrh, and Caleb came across something and, and, and then it's something, the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me something. When we started looking at this, the Greek uh, 
historian Herodotus, back in about 426, 415 BC, his writing the history, Herodotus wrote about frankincense, and he said he wrote in, in, the, in his writings the history that frankincense was one of the most dangerous things to harvest. And the reason why it was so dangerous to harvest is because a winged snake would nest around that tree whereby you could not get to the frankincense. You could not get to that thing that was that sweet aroma. And winged snakes, I don't know what his idea of winged snakes were. I don't know if it was cobras. I don't know if it was, I know, all I know is that Satan came as a serpent and I know that he was a fallen angel in wings. I don't know for sure that maybe he might have had insight to something, but they would guard that tree. And the only way you could get to the frankincense and get those serpents out of there was they would use the, the, the wood from a, a storax tree. It was storax, and they would burn that wood because that wood also of the storax had a sweet smelling aroma. It smelled like lilacs. It was, it was an aromatic. It had a pleasant floral smell that would irritate the winged snakes, pull them out, and whereby you could extract the pure frankincense, which was a highly valuable Frankincense is not, it's, it's a type, it's not, it's a frankincense is a type of incense, which is the highest valuable of its time because it was so dangerous to harvest. And when I heard that, I wonder how many people that there is a serpent taking away your ability to worship. And you don't know that Satan is sitting there trying to keep your frankincense from coming out to worship God. And you're going, well, if I had the money, I saw the car they pulled up. If I'd have to be happy too. Look how happy their marriage is. We'd be happy too if we could drive in a Benz like that. And so you're not worshiping because there's this serpent lying to you. And so God can't harvest it because there's a viper, a snake. Herod was the snake. He didn't want the child worshiped. So like a snake full of demon powers. He was killing and murdering every child. He wanted to keep the worship from coming out. Satan wants to keep the worship from coming. That's why he was kicked out of heaven, everybody, because Lucifer, the Bible says in Ezekiel, that was built in him were harps and pipes that when he would open up, he'd lead the host of heaven in worship, friends. And he was booted out. It was about the worship of Jesus. Are you watching this? So what he'll do is he'll put a rift between you and your wife. Don't call your wife Satan. Don't call your husband Satan. But he's using the situation in your family to keep the worship from coming out the pure essence of your relationship with God and your spouse. He's got some of you so mad at your parents and you don't even see it. That there's this serpent, this winged serpent Satan sitting there keeping you back from letting worship because you're going to prove something to your family. You're going to prove something to your parent and you're losing the whole time. He's got some of you so mad at the former preacher and the former church. He's got you so mad at that former boss. So mad at that Christian that got you invested in that, 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 that big business deal, that that oil well we were going to build out there, and it's, we're going to call it the holy pumper, and it was going to bring us billions of gallons of oil, and you're still mad at him. Satan sits there like a snake over the bitterness of your soul. You're still mad at that ex-husband, still mad at that person. We're not justifying, we're not trivializing it, but you're still mad at the dad that sexually abused you and Satan sits like a viper and he strikes down everything because all you can remember is the person that did this to you and the person that did this to you and he keeps striking and striking because he knows inside of you is frankincense. And when that worship comes out, 
something serious is going to happen to him. What is it for you? Tongue-talking believer, what is it for you? That the enemy is keeping your fragrance of your worship coming out. Maybe something in the element of the worship today. That one little thing just kept you from breaking through. I think I'm going to keep on this for a little bit because it's awful quiet in here. Because, you know, folks don't talk much during surgery. Maybe sickness and disease has got your body. Pain in your body. You just don't feel like praising God. And the viper sits here and says, well, if you love God, you tithe. You gave. You believed. Why are you still like this? Why is this like this? Why is this like And he keeps striking, 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 striking. The reason he's doing that is there's fragrant worship that's fixing to come out of there. And he knows it. But some of you don't know how to get out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some storax. Because <laughs> you can't get it out of you right now. So this is why you're here. Those of you watching online, I'm glad you showed up. I know you're watching from a distance, but it's like you're, you're, you're so hemmed in. And the enemy just says, well, if God, is this, if God loved you, then why is this? And I want to hear you tell you something. Sometimes it takes the storax, the sweet-smelling fragrance of somebody else to be thrown in there that all of a sudden flushes him out so we can get to you and get your pure fragrance out. It's kind of like Paul and Silas in jail. They're sitting there locked in prison bars, stocks and bonds. And the Bible says at midnight, they begin to worship God in the middle of that sail. And they turned those chains into tambourines. And they took those stocks and turned them into rums. And they started praising God at midnight at the darkest moment of their life. And they think they're going to be killed. And they think they're going to be persecuted. But when they started praising God, God sends an unexpected earthquake. He begins to rattle that jailhouse floor. And the Bible says their chains fell off and their doors opened up. But it said not just Paul and Silas's. It said every prisoner's door opened up. Every prisoner's chain came off. Our praise here can help liberate you today. Let me, I'm not done with this. Hear me for a second. Satan has always tried to stop your adoration of Jesus. You've got to understand this. That girl breaking up with you Satan knew it was your vulnerable spot. They fired you from your job. He knew it was your vulnerable spot because whatever you worship controls you. When he attacked your body, it was the most important thing to you. So whatever you lose, whatever you worship most controls you. So it stops your worship. But when your focus is Jesus, they can take your money. They can take your dignity. They can try to take everything away from you, but if they can't take the focus of Jesus, they cannot stop you because that was not the motivation. They were not your motivation to worship. That boy was not your, that girl was not your motivation to worship. That job was not your motivation to worship. How many of you with me still on this? Now, I'm gonna tell you in my spirit, I'm feeling, it's, it's not mean, this is not mean, but the Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent shall take it by force. That means there are times when there's something rising up in you to get aggressive about. So if you can't do that because the enemy's sitting there taking that incense from you, 
I'm going to be the storax to throw it in there to get you out of there. I want to show you something. It was about the worship of Jesus. In Isaiah 30 and verse 31, I want you to see this. When God would speak in Old Testament times to a nation or a king, there were many times that he was not speaking just to a specific person, but he was speaking to that nation or that person, the, the spirit or the demonic force behind it, and he was actually addressing Satan himself and not just a nation or a group of people, but actually the spirit that was driving them even when they didn't realize it. And they'd given themselves to it. And Assyria was one of those nations. Assyria's whole purpose for wanting to destroy the Jews was they wanted to wipe out every single Jew, the bloodline of Israel. That's what Assyria, Satan, put in their heart. If that would have succeeded, you can forget your tinsel, your Christmas lights, and singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. It's gone. If Assyria would have succeeded, and God knew it. And I want you to see what God said in Isaiah 30 to Assyria. So this is connected to the worship of Messiah. Watch this. Exodus 30, 31. The voice of the Lord, Isaiah said, the voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod, he will strike them down. Are you, are you paying attention to this? Every stroke, not you, every stroke the Lord lays on them, the Assyrians, enemy, Satan himself, with his punishing club, will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he, not you, as God himself fights your enemy in battle with the blows of his arm. <laughs> now, I'm not sure what that punishing club looks like. Which one of you guys got a good belt? I need a wide leather belt. Which one of you brothers got? Hey, somebody got a wide leather? Don't give me a wimpy one. I need a good, I need something that scared the bejeebers out of the devil. Let me, hold, let me see, let me see. I don't know. Let me see, let me see. Let me see, let me see. Yeah, yeah. this one's wider, it wins. Toby, thanks brother. Don't be doing any dancing, okay? You stay seated. The rest of us will stand, all right? All right. You watching this? When you see things in the scripture, you, you are seeing the character, the nature of God. And God himself says, listen, I will strike Satan down with my punishing club to the sound of your worship that comes out of you. I don't know what his punishing club looks like, but Isaiah 30 was fulfilled. If you're a student of the Bible, this is why you need to read the Bible. Isaiah 30 was fulfilled in Isaiah 37. Go read it. And God carried out that punishing club because the Assyrians tried to attack him because he knew he'd wipe out the lineage of the Jews. Thereby, there's no Jesus. There's no salvation for you. There's no Mel Gibson movie. It's gone. God struck down 185,000 Assyrian soldiers and killed them all in one night. 
and all he sent was one angel. That was the fulfillment of his promise in chapter 30, and he did it just with one angel. Killed 185,000 enemies of God in one night. I don't know what that punishing club looks like, but I don't want to encounter it. But Satan, your adversary, has tasted that punishing rod, and he knows what it's like. So here's what he's doing. I don't want you having direction in this situation. I don't want you having revelation. I want, I, I, I want the viper to keep pitting you between that other believer and your family. I want him to keep doing that. I want to let this sickness and this disease stop you from worshiping God. I want you to let the financial problems to keep on distracting you so you don't worship. And the reason he doesn't want you worshiping is because God, when he starts hearing you praise the focus of Jesus Christ, he rises up. Now, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to kind of demonstrate it to you the best I can. He's going to go through his kingdom, and this is going to be Satan, right? Right here, okay? This is going to be him right here. And he's been taunting some of you. He's been coming against your marriage. He's been trying to disrupt your business. He's been trying to come against you with sickness and disease. He's come against you with depression. He's come with you anxiety. You're panicking over the money. You're panicking over the government. You're panicking over this world. You're sitting there all stressed out. And God's saying, stop stressing and stop singing. Start singing the worship. And here's what God does. Ma'am, I don't care if all you can do is muster a praise the Lord. And you got to crank the oxygen up just a little bit more to get it out. I'm telling you, it is the sweetest, most powerful worship before God. And when you start singing, God gets up, grabs his punishing club, one that killed 185,000 guys in one night with one angel. And God starts hunting down your enemy. And he says, oh, there you are. So you're the one that tried to divide their marriage. So you're the one that's sitting there trying to destroy their body. So you're the one that's been sitting there coming into their mind with panic and anxiety and suicide. You're the one. Well, let me tell you what just happened. Those people down there started worshiping Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, my son. They're worshiping him. And there's a song rising up. And I smell a fragrance of worship coming out of them. And I know she's not learned at all, but she's got an amen. She's got a thank you, Jesus, in her. She's got a praise inside of her. And my father with jealousy... My father with jealousy gets up and he says, where is he? Where is he? And he says, don't you ever touch my children ever again. You leave their kids alone. You leave their mind alone. You leave their money alone. You leave their mission alone. Church, when you start praising God, he rises up with a punishing rod. He rises up with a punishing rod. Through your tears, through your praise, through your hallelujah, he goes, leave them alone. Free their minds. Liberate their soul. Your praise. If you'll keep worshiping, he'll keep whipping. He'll keep weeping. If you'll keep singing, he'll keep swinging. He'll keep striking them down. With every stroke, he'll beat him down. With every stroke, he'll strike him down. After one after another, one after another, he'll strike him down. Are you hearing me? Don't you ever let the devil distract you, not even a microphone. Don't you dare let anything distract you.
I don't care if it's your boyfriend. I don't care if it's your girlfriend. I don't care if it's your mom and dad. If it's sickness and disease, if it's despair, you go ahead and lament. It's okay to lament. You say, can I lament? You go ahead and lament. Jesus lamented on the cross and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's okay to lament, but don't end in lamenting. Start lifting up your voice in praise when you're done and say, Father, I trust you. Go after my enemy. Go after my enemy. Go after my enemy. Here's how we're going to do this today. How many of you are going, Pastor, I'm going through something right now. I'm going through something right now. Come on, lift your hand. I'm going through something right now. If you've got something you're going through, don't leave it down. Because the enemy can't read your mind. He's got to read your lips. If you've got something going on right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, sometimes for these folks and for me, it's hard to worship when you're going through the stuff you're going through. But Father, as we raise a hallelujah in this place, let the worship of the people around us start opening up and pushing away the powers of darkness. That out of us comes the free essence, the fragrance, the frankincense of worship and praise to you. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you will not stop their praise. No matter what you said, no matter what you do, you will not stop their praise. So church, come on, with one loud voice, with one hallelujah, come on, would you lift up a mighty praise? Come on, one time, come on, just lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift up a hallelujah.